Hello and welcome to episode number 91 of the Ride With Me podcast. You are listening with your host, Mufuz Chowdhury. And listeners, are you ready for all the awesomeness that's going to take place over the next few weeks as we make our way down to episode number 100? There are so many amazing things in motion, so many awesome collaborations lined up, and so many incredible people that can't wait to share their story and valuable insights through this microphone. Starting with none other than the one and only CEO of Candy Box Marketing, my mentor, my employer, Daryl Keezer. You know, Daryl and I have worked for eight years now, and I can still think back to the moment when I was in high school with nothing but a dollar and a dream just looking up marketing agencies on LinkedIn, trying to find the right opportunity that would just allow me to do what I love. I came across Daryl Keezer, we connected on LinkedIn, and we decided to meet at a local Starbucks. I sprinted down to that Starbucks with only a couple minutes to spare because I didn't own a vehicle at that time. And I remember walking in with sweat dripping down my face, thinking, is he going to give me a shot? And as we sat down, had coffee, exchanged stories. Daryl decided he wanted to take a chance on me and I couldn't believe it when he asked me if I could start next week. Eight years later, I've had the opportunity to work with some incredible people and truly watch this agency grow. It's been such a blessing for me to be a part of and I couldn't be more excited to finally get him on this podcast to really share the same insights that I've learned along the way. However, as I was starting this interview, I started to think about how I wanted this one to be different. You know, I've seen Daryl deliver tons of keynote presentations. I've seen a lot of people ask questions around the topic of marketing, business, entrepreneurship. And I've seen them do a lot of interviews where people ask more or less the same questions. So I wanted to turn this around where I was asking questions that even I didn't know the answer to. So I started to ask Daryl about mindset, about personal development, about overcoming challenges and how he maintains his composure, about how he uses his gut feelings to make decisions that allow him to get to where he is today. You're going to hear all that from Daryl's perspective, and more importantly, you're going to hear me be very quiet, which is very rare in interviews, but I was very quiet because I didn't know the answers, and I was beyond blown away by what he was sharing because I was just taking it in, and I was silently absorbing it like a sponge. Listeners, you're going to love this one. This is one for the books. I hope you get the most value out of today's episode, and I hope you'll continue riding with me for the long run. Enjoy. I mean, first of all, I talk about you a lot. Mm -hmm. Like I've done many episodes where I've shared about our relationship, what I've learned from you. I shared a lot about what I get to see day to day at Candy Box and it shares a lot with your leadership. Um, I'd love to hear it from your perspective. For a lot of people that don't actually know a lot about you, how would you introduce yourself for the first time? Well, if I was if I was quickly introduced in a room, um, most of the time I I like to be known as a dad. Mm-hmm. Seriously, that's 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 who I am. I'm a dad through and through. Um, businesses can can come and go, uh, but you know I'm a I'm a family guy. Um, the reason why I started businesses was because of my family. Uh, I was fired in the recession, and uh, my wife. I think we had a one year old, and she was you know six months pregnant for our next kid, 
and I needed to create a job that I would never be fired from. And I just knew that if I were to create my own company that I would never fire myself. And so yeah. uh, first and foremost, I'm a dad. Uh, sometimes people ask me what I do and uh, people are really big on titles and all that stuff. And all the way from the beginning, I have just always told people that I'm in marketing or more specifically digital marketing. Right now, my role is um, I'm an entrepreneur, that I start up companies, I lead companies. But, you know, a lot of times when people first meet you, they want to classify who you are, you know, your success and all that stuff. And I think that muddies the water uh, in regards to who a person is, because I'd, be, I'd still be the same person, even if... You know, the agency didn't go well. I'd still sure. be Daryl Keezer. And so um, I'm a dad first. I'm an entrepreneur second. And, um, you know, always in the space of marketing or digital marketing, I'm going to find myself. You're right. I think this is a really interesting conversation because I've been with you over the last eight years or so. Like, I've been mm -hmm. able to see how you conducted the business, how we were at a position where we didn't have a lot of employees. We didn't even have walls or a roof above us as an office. Mm -hmm. You know, we were kind of working from home. Yep. So it's been really fun for me to watch the business grow and how you operate. And um, for me, as I knew I was going to sit down with you, one of the things I kept telling myself is I really need to ask questions that I don't even know um, because I want this just to be as much for me to learn about you as it is for other people. One of the things mm -hmm. that you mentioned, and I'm glad you mentioned it, was um, the tough situation that you were in when you were let go from your position and you know you were working I yeah. believe as a project manager yeah right and mm -hmm. it didn't go well and you were let go and you decided that you wanted to start a digital marketing company why did you choose digital marketing company like you could have started anything sure why was yeah. that at the top of your mind and you thought that was the way to go well I to be honest I've always wanted to start a company and so like Starting something completely new wasn't just like a, a brand new idea. I've always wanted to own a company since I think I was probably four or five years old where I kind of got the taste for entrepreneurship and I always wanted to do it. And in school, people would, you know, want to be baseball players and hockey players and stuff. And I always kind of felt weird telling people that I wanted to be a businessman. And that was my only concept of entrepreneurship. But I wanted to, to operate in business and I wanted to literally run businesses. Now, when I got out of college, I knew that I knew nothing. Uh, I was very aware of my you know, own stupidity and the mistakes that I was going to make. And even though I had flirted with the idea of starting a company, I, sure. I knew that I just needed to learn from somebody else. Um, going back to your question, uh, why a digital marketing company? To be honest, I've always just loved marketing. I remember in grade 10, I took um, a marketing course in high school. And I kept kind of looking around in the classroom thinking to myself, like, is this really an accredited course? Like, I'm having so much fun that, like, the, the whole concept that that being a class was idiotic <laughs> to me. I was like, yeah, this is, this is just this is just awesome. Um, when I, you know, when I applied for college, I saw the word marketing. I had to apply for it. And once again, I was in my 8 a.m. marketing class, and I just thought, this is, like, this is fun. Like, this can't be work. Um, and I guess, you know, I started catching on there, like, okay, this is definitely something that not everybody's interested in, and I guess this is my passion. And, um, and so I was always bent that way, but um, my, <clears throat> my real discovery was when I was working as a project manager and we'd launch these websites and people would spend all this time and effort launching these websites that were essentially selling services online. And then it would go live and they'd always ask like, well, well now what? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. well, you know, we're not getting any sales and what's our traffic problem? And, and it seemed like 
Like, are you kidding me? Like, why why haven't you thought about this before you were building this store? It's kind of like, you know, like literally building a bricks and mortar store and not building a front door or building it in the <laughs> middle of the desert. It's like, yeah. you moron. Like, of course you needed a plan. And so um, cus- my, my customers from way back when I was a project manager started asking me, like, how do you get traffic? Like, what companies do you recommend? Is there any program? And I started looking through all these different options and competitors and digital marketing experts, quote unquote, and SEO companies, which became a swear word. And I, I didn't have an answer for them. Right. I was just like, yeah. I was like, they all suck. You mm-hmm. know, I'm like, you can get a web designer, but you need the right designer. You can get an SEO company, but they need to understand what they're doing. You could, you know, these things need to come together. And and I was always coming up with no answer for them. And whenever I see that with a market where all these customers are looking for something and there's nothing out there, it's like that's that's a problem I need to solve. And um, I had you know a bit of knowledge, not a lot of knowledge, but a bit of knowledge in that area. Um, it, the industry was still green, you know, in 2008 right. when when I was taking a look at it, there wasn't Super new. Uh, yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot of companies doing it well. And the older traditional companies, um, where I thought I would probably see a lot of leadership coming from, you know, I was listening to the events and I came to the realization. They don't even know what they're sure, talking about. Sure. And so I just saw, like, I saw the, the the paradox, if you will, of this huge need among every single business out there that needed a service and this huge gap of not many companies knowing actually how to do this. And I thought, you know what, that's that's an industry that I want to yeah, be in. Yeah, I, th- I find it very interesting that um, based on what industry you're in, you start becoming very... Uh, a big critique of the industry itself, right? It's almost mm-hmm. like the guys that I uh, w- go to watch movies with that are in the movie industry, they'll sit down and they'll look at the movies and they'll start criticizing small things that you wouldn't even think about, yeah, right? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, I didn't even realize that this, they didn't carry the same thing in their hand that they had in the previous scene and the other guy caught that. So I feel like yeah. we do the same thing in marketing. Um, but tell me about the tough time, Daryl. So you were in a situation where um, you just got let go. Mm-hmm. I know that you were, I think you had one child on the way at that point. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's um, right. Now, I can't imagine this being easy. And this is usually a tough point for a lot of people. I mm-hmm. even have a friend uh, that I just talked to over the weekend that just got let go. And I could tell very quickly that he was going through depression and it wasn't easy for him to come mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the emotional side of things. What sure. did that look like for you? What What did that tough time actually feel like and the fear Sure. versus how you managed to turn that around and actually make it a positive spin in your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, at the time, I was probably, I'd probably been married for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, I had a, like, my wife was six months pregnant, but I also had um, a one-year-old, right? So it's like, we've got a very, very new family in every way. I'm new to be married. I'm a new dad, and I'm about to have a new kid. And so everything was very new. And I will be honest to tell you that I knew that I actually didn't have the option to um, to be depressed or to be sad or to look backwards. Uh, as I exited the um, the company and they walked me to the door, they gave me a sheet of paper uh, where it gave me like a, a company contact where I could call them and they can help me get a job. But we were just in the middle of the re- or just in the beginning of the recession. There's mass layoffs everywhere. The economy's tanking. There's that's why we're getting laid off to begin with. It wasn't like I was fired. It was just that the, you know sure. the yeah. the economy is not doing well. It was the first time I'd ever been laid off in that in that area, and so I knew that the market wasn't going to be great. And um, I just like I remember driving home, and I you know this is even almost at the newer point of cell phones, and so you know ten years ago when it wasn't connected to Bluetooth, and so I hadn't talked to my wife yet, and I just. I knew that I was going to get home to my pregnant wife 
and have to tell her that I just lost my job and I needed to lead my family. Mm-hmm. Like I just, I believe that, uh, that I need to be a provider for my family. And so I couldn't, you know, I didn't have the option of being sad because that is, you know, if I was sad for an hour, that's one hour that I no longer have um, a runway for to get money. Like I, I just, I knew that I needed to, to get into something right away. And so I got home and I told my wife I'd got laid off and she's very sympathetic. And then she said, what are we going to do? And I just had to confidently tell her and say, I'm going to start a digital marketing company and everything's going to be great. And I had been thinking about it for a while about like that there was a huge need there. And so I had dipped my toe into like she was doing some graphic design as a contractor and I'd started up that company. So it's not like new, new, but it's it was a complete transition for me from a full time job. And, um, you know, I just I looked at all my different options. I could look for a job. Um, that was one option. I could just be angry that I just lost my yeah. job. That's literally a full option. Right. Um, or I could just create a company. And my realization was that I could I couldn't choose all those things. I had to choose one because if I'm going to choose one, I have to I have to make it work. And so I just chose to to move forward, and I didn't look back. Um, I wasn't depressed. I wasn't sad. I wasn't. Anything uh, to be honest, I was, I was excited because like now yeah. I'm finally fulfilling the thing that I've wanted to do. I for hope years. you know that's rare. That doesn't happen as often as you think in these situations. That's impressive. Yeah, it's um, it's it's what needed to happen, and um, and at the end of the day, you know, I needed to give my wife confidence that I was going to make it happen, and she is definitely my biggest fan, and I had to I had to give her something to cheer on. You know, sure. like I I couldn't have her try to pick me off the ground and then throw me out there. Like I just. I just needed to make it happen, and uh, it was the biggest opportunity. Um, I also saw this as a great exit. I was like, you know what? It's so hard to to get out there on the market and to start, you know, start a new company. I thought I've got eight weeks of severance, and sure, people don't get that. So I was like, right. I've got eight it weeks to get this going. Yeah. Big time. I want to dive into that a bit further. Um, just want to think a little bit about the way Daryl Keyser thinks. You know, we don't get to sit down a lot and saying like, hey, let's actually dissect. Um, what goes through your mind every day mm-hmm. instead I get to see it so I sometimes I come back come out with my own learnings and my own perception I'd love for you to even break down a few of these things um, one of them is what actually gets you excited in the morning like mm-hmm. yeah business is a big part of it mm-hmm. and we can go on and on about it and I can definitely relate but when you get up in the morning and you know that these things are coming up on your calendar mm-hmm. what is it that mm-hmm. gets you pumped up for that week yeah um Great question. One thing that uh, I have to be honest, and this sounds really, I don't know if the word callous or cold is is the word, but it's not normal for other people. I love numbers. I love numbers. I, I obsess about numbers and not just money. It's not just like the pursuit of money because my lifestyle just, it doesn't really change one way or the other, doing really well or poorly. But, uh, you know, we've grown our company 50% every year for the last five years. And I don't always even know what that means dollar-wise, but I just know the percentage. And growing my company, growing my clients' companies, growing the amount of leads that we have, the number of events that we're attending, the number of employees that we have, that's what excites me. It's been fun. That's it. It's like numbers. Like just give me the numbers and let let me do things to manipulate and change those numbers. And 
I'm not saying that we just charge whatever and just try to try to make the, the buck. Like that's that isn't it. Like even the number of staff. Like a lot of people actually try to avoid staff. I try to grow staff. You're right because I just I just love the team, yeah. right? And if I had really talented people, then I get to work with those people on a regular basis. And so going from you know a solopreneur to a couple of contractors to when I had three full time employees, then when I had five, then ten, and then I went from ten to twenty in one year. Um, that that pumped me up it was just like wow like i get to work with all these talented people and and when you take a look at even like the customers that we have you know we uh i recently on i think it was just on saturday i got an email from a client and they basically after three days into their campaign uh they'd spent about i don't know three or four hundred dollars on a campaign that we made for them they just landed two million dollars worth of business i like yeah, I freaked. I was right. like, "That's awesome!" And now that's not my two million dollars; it's his two million dollars. Right. But it's two million dollars that never existed before, and I just moved their needle. And so I've been talking to them all day about you know how we can change the advertising and build the operations and you know create a call center and uh, monetize off of the uh, the the uh, you know the other leads that this business start going in and funnel them through to another company. Growing companies is is my best. I absolutely yeah. love it. And whatever I'm doing, it's really exciting. I always say that the the smallest part of my company is usually the thing that I obsess most about um, because I want it to grow. And so I'll spend more time on the tiniest area of my company because I just want to see it big as opposed to a lot of times people will ignore all the small stuff and just maintain the big stuff. I'm just like, no, no, no. We are all, you know, the, the tide rises and all the boats go up. That's that's crazy. That's what I'm focused yeah. on, no I, matter man, what it is. I can definitely vouch for that. You know, one of the biggest rules, and I think I shared this in a previous episode, um, I love the rules that you put in place. Like, number one, me being a project manager, every time I touch a project, you reinforce the rule of, for every project that you do, I want you to try something new. Mm-hmm. That's something that you've never tried. And yeah. that really keeps us on our toes. And that gets our design team excited because they love the idea of innovating and coming up with something new. Yeah. Uh, the second thing I love is every year, and we just did this a few minutes ago, where we sit down and we plan out something new that we want to do this year. Mm-hmm. A new project, a yeah. new startup, a new side, yeah. like a side hustle. Um, that always gets me pumped. Um, where do these rules come from? I know you read a lot of books and you mm-hmm. share some of those stories with me and that always gets me excited. Mm-hmm. Um, you're also part of just a lot of different communities where you hear a lot of stories and you bring it back to the team. Where do you get these kind of inspirations from that get, keeps a team on their toes and keeps them innovative? Um, to be honest, I mean, after the wheel, everything is a copy. And so I get it from somewhere. It's not all, it's not all just internal. Um, some of the rules I get from other entrepreneurs, like I'll just hear something once and I, I couldn't give you all their names. It's, you know, sure, I, someone, I just, it's a mumbled, I, I hear yeah. something somewhere. Um, <laughs> right. recently I was in a, uh, a CEO private meeting, uh, where there was about 14 CEOs and some of these guys led billion dollar companies. And one of the CEOs said that they don't accept any strategy internally. Um, like they won't adopt any new strategy that their competitor could copy in less than two years. And it just like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like this guy has got such a good idea because he wants to, he doesn't want to be a year in front of the competitor. He wants to be four years. And so like everything they're doing, they're like, can the computer competitor do it in two years? If the answer is yes, it's off the table. And so, you know, he grew his business from, you know, like I think it was around eight or nine billion to 14 billion over a very short time period. And he knows that he's, 
he's confident in what they're doing because his competitors literally can't do it in four years. And now they're working on the next four years. And so um, I, I listen a lot. Um, I watch a ton of TED Talks. Uh, there's also a couple of friend CEOs that I have that I've learned stuff from. Uh, one really good friend of mine, his name is Brandon Lee. He uh, runs a, a company called Yip Yip Digital in Atlanta. I speak with him regularly, and he's he, like we always Brandon's bounce awesome. ideas yeah. uh, back and forth. And uh, he definitely has a ton of amazing ideas. And so, you know, it's it's really a combina- uh, combination of everything. I mean, the most recent idea um that i was uh, generating i can't talk too much about was literally from the nike commercial i saw I, the I nike commercial that. Yeah. yeah and it it floored me <laughs> right. and i spent the next two minutes just mentally downloading what i needed to do next um sometimes i see a word in an email like someone sent me the other i uh an email the other day about working with our agency and their experience and they were using words about my agency that I had never used before and I thought like this is our next 100%. this is our next yeah. five years yeah and so it's not um it's, it's just anywhere man I, I'm, I'm just a sponge for for good ideas and um I I do not profess that I come up with new ideas myself um but I'm just I'm learning from others sure. and, you know not copying yeah. it's it's uh you know there's a ton of people in the industry that copy what I do and maybe that's a compliment uh, even in my keynotes, like I, you know, I build stuff over time and then I uh, I just keep perfecting it based on what the audience kind of gives back to me and the feedback that I have from people. So that's awesome. And and you said something very important that uh, you said in such a casual way because it must be natural to you. But it's so important to highlight, which is you said you make your mind like a sponge, right? You're always learning. I think there's many people that have challenges with learning more and growing and becoming more innovative because they put up mm-hmm. a wall around their ideas. Mm-hmm. They understand. And, and the wall is two ways. You know, they don't mm-hmm. want to share their ideas and they don't want to take in ideas because they think that they know it all mm-hmm. and that limits them from growth. So it's very interesting. And again, I can vouch for the fact that you keep, you stay open to these ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew you were going to mention the Nike commercial, by the way, just because, you know, you and I what had an awesome a commercial. It, yeah. it was such a great commercial. Yeah, like yeah. Everyone was talking about it, but um, you know, you and I went on a phone call on Friday night just to chat mm-hmm. a little bit about it and some cool things that came out of our conversation. So I really enjoy those conversations. They're very fun. But I, the main reason I knew you were going to mention the Nike commercial is because you have become super active on Instagram lately mm-hmm. and you share the, the Nike commercial and you mentioned how much it inspired you. Um, what's really fun about your Instagram stories lately is... I get to see it on a day-to-day, so I know that it's real. Like, mm-hmm. you're not fabricating actions or things that you're doing. You're actually sharing what you're doing day-to-day. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? What are you doing with Instagram right now that's allowing a lot of people to join you in the journey and do a lot of fun things? Yeah. Uh, with Instagram right now, uh, I mean, they've just changed their platform, and I think it was to the better where your stories are now um, two ways, right? So before it was posts, and people can comment, you can go back and forth. But all of a sudden, stories, the way that they built the technology, when people are answering your stories, they actually are DMs. And people act differently in public than they do one-on-one. True. And so I'm starting to get all these DMs, all these people messaging me. And that's always what I've loved about social media is just like the, the dialogue, not the monologue. And it became... A network that I just fell in love with again. You know, at the beginning, Instagram, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't too friendly with it. It just didn't make as much sense to me as other networks. And now, like, I get it. I'm like, this is this is one of the strongest social media tools that's out there right now. And not that they're the first people that came out with DMs, like let let's be honest, but the way that they frame the technology. Sure. So, you know, what I'm doing right now is um, I 
you know, ideas are nothing. Execution is everything. That's what I believe. Like people will say all the time, oh, I came up with that idea. I should be rich. And like, don't ever say that to me. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty offensive when that happens. I'll just say you're an idiot. Like, you know, if you came up with that idea, um, if I came up with the idea in, let's say, uh, 2001, right before Facebook uh, came out, if I came out with the idea of Facebook, here's a challenging question. Would I have been able to pull off what they pulled off? I, I I actually believe no. Right. Like if you if if I know everything, I know the iteration to Facebook, I know the history of Facebook, I know all the technology, I know that they started on PHP, I know all that stuff, I know the UI, I could draw the the user interface right here for Facebook. And I sincerely believe that if you gave me that idea, that multi-billion dollar idea in two thousand one, that I would not be able to right. execute right. it. And, yeah. and meaning it ideas are nothing. Yeah. Um, and maybe somebody else could have done it, but you know, I think what Zuckerberg did and the people that also gathered around him did a phenomenal job at executing. And so that's why I have no problem sharing ideas because ideas are so cheap. Um, everybody can have one, but it's, it's about the, the flawless execution that, that separates, um, you know, the, the, whatever we want to call it, the men from the boys, the, the women from the, the girls, like it's, right. it's all about execution. Yeah. And, uh, and so when I'm sharing stuff on Instagram, I'm sharing really private stuff. I'm sharing company strategy. I'm sharing different tactics that are going on um, because I want to encourage others to do similar things. And I know that I, I'm not really just going to breed my own competition because they're, they're just not who I am. And going back to my passion, what I was talking about before is I like seeing businesses grow. If I can go on Instagram and help a ton of businesses grow, even if I don't make a single dollar off of it, this may sound dumb, but... I'm still really happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I started DMing, you know, just the other day on somebody that uh, I was consulting them on their business and just for free, you know, or video really quickly. I didn't know this person. The person was in Nevada. And uh, and at the end of the night, I, f- I felt really good just because I was able to help the person. So it still fulfills my personal mission, even if it's not contributing towards my company. And that's just... That's just gravy for me. Yeah. That's really cool. Opening up a two-way conversation is is such a crucial piece of Instagram. I I talk about it over and over again. How I think direct messages is the most underrated tool on Instagram. Absolutely. I think people yeah. have figured out how to post photos, take fancy angles, use the right filters, hashtags, but actually getting the stories and the interactions going is key. Daryl, wrapping up with even a few other questions for you. Um, number one, very important question that I want you to think about is: Do you have any regrets? You know, you've had some challenging times <laughs> as we take a selfie that's going to eventually end up on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any regrets going back in time, thinking about the challenges that you had, be it in business, be it coming out of college? Um, what do you look back and what do you think about? Yeah. Um, my biggest regret in business has been uh, not hiring people fast enough. And that, that has always been my Achilles heel. And uh, I've learned and I've changed. And so I'm not doing that anymore. I'm, I'm almost now on the side where I hire a little too fast. Um, but in the beginning, I was always like, okay, like it was survival, right? So survival means that you try to stay extremely lean and not keep your overhead up. And so it was always like um, making sure that I wasn't hiring too many people or making sure that I wasn't hiring anybody at all and uh, dealing with contractors and all that stuff. And the thing is, you just can't get the same quality of work and the same growth out of contractors because it's it's just a gig economy and they don't really care about your end client. 
And uh, it was only when I started hiring people that I started gaining momentum, like real company momentum. And when I take a look back, I thought I owned a company, but I owned a business. Uh, meaning a company is like if you think of like having company over or a company of people it's it's many people around one mission yeah. a business is anything like right. if you if you're selling your shoes to me right now you can say I have a shoe selling business even if it's just you and so I wanted to start a company but I started a business and it took me 3 years to realize that I wasn't I wasn't owning a company I just had a a business and so uh, going back I would have hired faster I would have hired more. I would have taken more risks with more people um, earlier on. Now I'm, I feel like I'm making you up are, for it. Over the last year but, especially. Uh, yeah, definitely um, hiring a lot more people. But um, my growth uh, was stifled for the first, I would even say, first five full years because I just didn't hire quick enough. That's so interesting. Um, it, it's neat because I did notice the the numbers changing in our company over the years, but I never thought of it that way that you've just one day accelerated mm-hmm. and turned up the hiring rate. You know, it's just very interesting seeing a lot of new faces at the office day to day. Just wrapping up the interview, there are a lot of good insights, first of all, really good stuff. Um, I want to jump into your instincts and how you make decisions. Um, I want to start with hiring. I think we talked about that a lot. You, mm-hmm. you sit down with a lot of people. Um, in different interviews, you meet people day to day. We have a very mm-hmm. fun history about all the weird ways that we've hired different sure. employees, yeah. which is something our reputation is known for. It's all it's a lot of fun to talk about. Um, you know, humor me a bit. Let's start with me. When we first met, you know, you never had a co-op student. You yeah. never actually brought someone on board for a few months and potentially offering them a job. Um, I reached out to you. I've shared my version of this story multiple times, whether it's events, podcasts, or in the book. Mm-hmm. But I'd love for you to share from your perspective when you got that phone call or when you initially got that LinkedIn message, mm-hmm. what, what, what was that gut feeling that you got that sure. resulted in the meeting? And then what was that gut feeling you had in the meeting that made you pull the trigger on hiring your first co-op student? Yeah. You know, I think on paper, a lot of people can look good. And at the end of the day, I mean, I run a service business, and so my customer is going to be interacting with that person. And so if I don't have a good experience with that person, neither is my customer. Um, if I don't feel like they're being proactive, my, my customers aren't going to feel like they're being proactive, right? And so I cannot expect that they are going to get any better in those types of personality indexes in front of the customer than they are in front of me. So they really have to impress me. Uh, first thing was I always look for people that want to work with me. If somebody's not interested in my my mission or my vision, those are areas that you cannot force somebody to be passionate about. And so even if they can get the job done, if they're not passionate about what you're passionate about, uh, you can't make that happen. Like you can't like create that and be like, hey, Mafuz, you have to like your job today. And, right. and like you can't fake that. And sure. so you have to come preset with that. So when you first called me, you're really passionate about what we did. You're really passionate about the industry. You're really passionate about the tools. And so big check, big check, big check. It's like, okay, Got it. this this person's already, he's already there. Um, then it's just like a little bit to do about skills. Um, the second thing is that um, I'm not a micromanager. And so some people are really good at like, uh, I know I, I almost hate to use a bad analogy, but it's like, it's like they're training, training monkeys to do things. And it's just like, it's just ridiculous. It's like they, they're, they're like really, really good at training other people just to do very specific tasks. Sure. That's stupid. Yeah. It's like, it's first off assuming that the person is dumber than you or subservient or somehow different. And 
my job is stewarding leaders, right? My job is stewarding awesome people to become even better at what they're doing and finding the best job for them. And so when I'm doing that, I have to find people that take their own initiative because uh, I'm not going to do it for them. Because I don't micromanage, I'm not going to say, here are the seven things you need mm-hmm. to do today to do a good job. I need somebody to create that list for themselves. And so uh, when um, somebody like yourself came to me, and there's other people as well too, and I see uh, not just drive, but like product, where you have project reinvention as a project and saying, here was my outlet to implement these things, you already had the drive that I needed. Like it was it was already preset in yeah. you. And so I said, okay, great. He's got... You know, he's got the good attitude. He's got the passion. He's got the drive. I just ne- need to let him loose on something. I don't need to like whip you up and then all of a sudden say, "Hey, you know, take initiative on this project." Like you're just going to take a look at the project and say, "Here's my end goal," and you're going to figure out the list of things that you need to do. So that's yeah, yeah. That's that. Those are big points for me when I'm yeah. looking at people. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things with working with Candy Box over the last eighty years has been the team members and. It's just amazing to me how how well everyone gets along. Like kindness is a big part of it, mm-hmm. along with humility, um, and it's just made this work environment very healthy. So I think the instincts is a big piece. Like going mm-hmm. with your gut feeling, having a few rule of thumbs of these are the check boxes that I need to mark before I bring you on board. Mm-hmm. And you've done that. You've done that very well. I really enjoy working with the team members that I have today. Um, final question for you, Daryl. One of the biggest rule of thumbs that we have with. Um, the podcast series is talking about the concept of reinvention Mm -hmm. and we have a common tagline here where I say reinvent yourself Mm -hmm. and encouraging people to become the best version of themselves what does that mean to you what does reinvent yourself mean to you Mm -hmm. and what is how can you encourage other people that are listening in to take the next steps and do day-to-day things to get to their goals yeah I think a huge part of it is just taking the labels off of yourself that you may have put on yourself or that other people put on you um, so my journey of it was I was a project manager and um, dealt with salespeople in our organization, but I didn't really like the salespeople that I dealt with, so I never considered myself a salesperson. Um, but if I look at my track record, I actually had a really positive um, con- contribution towards sales, but I just had a label of, I'm the operations guy, like I need a sales guy. And uh, everything that I touched, I was always trying to find you know, a salesperson or find something to kind of do that for me. And eventually I just needed to take stock and say, you know what, my history has been sales. Here's my track record. Here's what I have done. I have to mentally take off this label and I have to put on this label. That's powerful. I had to take yeah. off like, hey, I'm I'm only a project manager in what I was doing because I was literally managing all the projects in Candybox and it wouldn't have grown if I continued as a project manager. I needed to give that to somebody that was very capable of doing that and then move over to sales because that's what the company needed at the time, right? Because like you've got you've to fill in the gaps. Sure. And uh, I, I had to like mentally work through for probably about a year and saying, no, you know, even though I can do this, there are people that are better at this than I am. And even though I thought that I wasn't good at sales, Yes, I am good at sales, yeah. and I just had to like right. I just had to make up my mind and go for it. Sure. So that was that was my reinvention over time. Um, that's something that I had to like struggle through and work through. And uh, another reinvention that I had to go through uh, was just uh, my overall goal setting. Um, at the beginning, my my goal was survival, and I uh, I every single day. I was always focused on the fact that if I took all my monthly expenses as a person, I divided them about uh, in the number of working days, I had to make about $278 per day of revenue. That's okay. the number I was aiming for. Yeah. 
And I mean, now you gosh, are a numbers guy. Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Down. and now it's like. You know, now we've got to do about nine thousand to ten thousand uh, dollars per day of new, net new sales, mm-hmm. and uh, that's you know that's a that's and that's not survival. That's thriving, right? That's sure. like growing and everything like that. Like we're fine as a company, we're going to do well. But in regards to growth, I need to say, okay, you know what? We need to do about ten thousand dollars a day, and so there was a, a time where I had to shift the scales from what do I need to literally just get food on the table to. What do I want to grow this this company? This is where the BHAGs come in play. Yes, yes, exactly. Big, hair, audacious goals, and I had to start setting goals and saying, "I will have food on the table." Now I need to like create jobs that many people can have food on the table, and that that was a big awesome. transition point for me. Daryl, one of the very interesting things that's coming up that I want to share with a lot of people, and I'm very excited myself because I I got a to play a small role behind it as you were putting the book together. But you have a brand new book coming out. It's your second book. The first one did very well, 37 Ways Your Website Died. And you have a second one on the way, and your book launch is right around the corner. Can you tell the listeners, especially the ones that are interested in business, what the book is about and what they could get out of it? So a lot of the journey that I shared today was kind of just touching on like the tip of the iceberg of um, how I started my company, the motivators, uh, the rules that I had, uh, the boundaries that I put in place. Uh, the motivation that I needed to, to get this entire thing going. I, I'm asked a lot about these things uh, just from the awards and recognition that we've had over the last couple of years, which we've been really humbled by, um, you know, being called Entrepreneur of the Year and, um, and being on the, uh, the Profit 500. And so uh, the book is my attempt to take everything that I know about startups and what one person needs and all the areas that people shouldn't Explore, you know, even all the mess ups that that I've I've had, and I put it in 160 pages, and so it's it's not a book about digital marketing. It's not a book about um, just how to grow a business. It's a book about entrepreneurs no longer wanting to start a business, but to start a company of people that rapidly grow in this marketplace. Um, it's everything. It's it's literally everything that I have. If you read the book, and uh, you don't get what you need out of it. I probably don't have it for sure. you. That's it's, yeah. it's in the book, and 100%. so it's quite dense. Um, it's not a lot of fluff. It's not a lot of you know just stories and testimonials like other business books. I get right down to it. And so, if you were to be starting a business tomorrow, if you started at six p.m., you could f- probably probably finish it by nine p.m. You know, a good three-hour chunky read. And um, I imagine that I could save you a couple of years of making mistakes just from reading this book. I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, I'm not an entrepreneur. I work as a digital marketer under the candy box name and I found it valuable when I had a chance to get a sneak peek I think there's a lot of good insights so Daryl thanks for your thanks for your time today really awesome. good insight I can't wait for the listeners to hear this and connect with you how can they connect with you on Instagram uh, so I'm Daryl K uh, which is uh, spelled out my in a very odd way it's D-A-R-R-E-L-L so that's two R's two L's there's no Y in my name D-A-R-R-E-L-L-K and um, that's that's my handle. Yeah. And so you can also just search Daryl Keezer. Uh, but Mafuz, I want to thank you for your time. It's uh, It's been an absolute privilege. It is always a privilege working with you. I think your podcast is awesome. I think your listeners are super cool. I look at all the comments and stuff like that. And it's a it's a it's just a, a grand privilege to be on this podcast. So, yeah, thanks so much for interviewing Thank you for your time, Daryl. Yeah, great. Thank you. That's all awesome. Right. I've got a-